Welcome to FileMaker Off the Record. You're listening to Thomas and Teresa of Profile Developers, discussing all things FileMaker for developers and power users. Well, hey, Teresa. Hi, Thomas. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? I am fine. Thank you. Welcome to episode 27. Ooh, 27. That's a nice number. Is it? Yeah, it's got a two in it and it's got a seven in it. All right. Those are two good numbers. You are not wrong. <laughs> so tonight I thought we would talk about the get functions, but not the get functions. Mm. So the functions that start with the word get, but mm-hmm. don't then have the parentheses so that it's a get function. They're the get as functions. Yeah, it's more like get as functions. Yeah. That seems more accurate. But actually, before we get into that, mm-hmm. I was listening to another podcast because mm-hmm. there's still several FileMaker podcasts now. Good, good. Lots of good stuff out there. But on one of them, and now I'm blanking on which one, but on one of them, they were talking about delete record. Okay. And so I started playing around with delete record, which we use all the time. Mm-hmm. I would assume everybody uses that one a lot. Mm-hmm. Oh, this was, um, it was uh, Matt and Matt, right? Matt yes. squared. Yeah, that's right. You were telling me about this. Yeah. And I can't remember exactly what they said, but whatever it was triggered me. It had to do, oh, I do remember. They said that if, if you have, I think any- what Matt said was if you delete a record while you're in a field on a related record, Mm-hmm. That it FileMaker used to say, do you want to delete the record or the related record? It like gave you a choice, an option, okay, in, in like FileMaker fifteen or something. And so I tried that, and that doesn't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but 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 there were some kind of interesting things. Mm-hmm. So for delete record, you have delete record from the menu, right? And you have delete record as a script step, right? Which you would assume kind of behave the same. And for the most part, they do. Okay. But not always. Hmm. When you are on a record, whether the record is it's open or closed. Okay. And you select delete record from the menu or run a script with delete record. Mm-hmm. It does the same thing. If you have dialog on, it asks you if you want to delete, if you want to permanently delete the record. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if the dialogue's not on, it just deletes the current record that you're on right. in the table that you're on. If you have a portal and a portal row is selected, mm-hmm. then the delete record menu option does not show. It's grayed out. Okay. So you cannot select it. Mm-hmm. But you can run it from a script. Okay. The delete record with a highlighted... Portal row. Okay. What do you think that does? I think that would delete the record you're on. Right. That is what you would think. (laughs) (laughs) But what does it do? I got a dialogue that came up and said, do you want to delete the related record? Okay. So just the one related record. Just the one related record. Okay. So that's using a script, using the delete record step, not delete Delete portal portal row. row. Delete record, but there's a highlighted, there's a selected portal row. 
And it says, do you want to delete the related record? Huh. That, to me, is unexpected behavior. Sure. If you are in a field in a portal row, Mm -hmm. the delete record on the menu Mm -hmm. is now enabled. Oh, weird. If you have a highlighted portal row and you're not in a field, it's disabled. If you are in a field in a portal row... It is enabled. Okay. And if you select it, what do you think it's going to do? If you select delete record? If you select delete record from the menu while the cursor is in a field in a portal row. Will it delete the record? (laughs) Well, it's going to ask you something. All right. Will it ask you if you want to delete the record? Yes. Okay. Because that stands, it actually makes a little bit of, it's a little consistent if... It doesn't see the record as active if you're sitting in a portal row, even if you have the portal row selected, like it's active, but a field's not active, but then the menu option comes back when you're sitting in the field. In a portal row, yes. Yeah. So, but it'll delete, will it then delete the record? Yeah. So if you select it, it will say, do you want to permanently delete this entire record, and then it will delete the record that you're on. Mm-hmm. And it'll delete the portal row records if you have cascading deletes on. Otherwise, it'll leave it alone. This, to me, this got a little confusing while going, so I'm going to real quickly review. So, uh, delete record from the menu deletes the record if you're just on a record, mm-hmm. whether the record's open or closed. Delete menu, delete record from a script does the same thing. In... With an active portal row, delete record from the menu is unavailable. Mm-hmm. Delete record from the script deletes the related record. Okay. If you are in a field in a portal row, delete record menu is back and it will delete the record. Delete record from a script will delete the related record. Yeah, that gets a little confusing. So you get two different behaviors right, for the same, st- you know, whenever same one's a menu command right. or script. Mm-hmm. That's the one that bothers me the most. Right. <laughs> right. And it's it's something where, like you said, the expectation is thwarted. And sometimes if you're in a script, you may not catch that. Exactly. So, and that was um, FileMaker Talk. That they were discussing. That they brought this up. They didn't get right. into this detail, this this speci- this specificity right. on on this one step. But, but yes, they're the ones that they they brought it up and talked about the behavior with how delete record could affect a related record mm-hmm. without cool. having cascading on. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, important note to self. So I think that's important information to get out there. The other thing they kind of touched on that had to do with deleting records was getting users to pay attention to the freaking dialogue <laughs> that right. warns you when you're deleting a record. Right. Cause they're different enough, but most of the time people aren't reading yeah. what's coming up. And, and the rule of thumb with most developers is the default option on a dialogue. So this is whenever you're using a custom dialogue, you've scripted it yourself to delete mm-hmm. a record. So you're, you have a custom dialogue come up and the default, whenever you hit return, that should be, that Cancel. should do no harm. Right. So you use button number one 
as your cancel mm -hmm. and generally button number two is the delete. So in order to get people to hopefully read the dialogue, mm -hmm. we've tried things in the past the the same as, as they have, which is I would randomly pick button two or three. I had two different dialogues set up. Okay. So whenever they went to delete the record, the button would move. So they couldn't just automatically click in the same place. It might not be there. So okay. in order to get them to maybe read because things look a little different now. Yeah. But that doesn't, that didn't really work. Right. The only thing that I've found that, that works beyond not actually deleting the records, it's archiving them and then them, yeah. you can bring them back later, mm -hmm. would be to put a field in the dialogue where they had to type the word delete or whatever mm -hmm. in order to confirm the delete. That sounds pretty... It's, it's very irritating. Yeah. And it's probably not a great user interface, but it stopped people from deleting records they didn't want to delete and they didn't want to read the dialogue. It's a big yeah, step that's to a take. Different, that's a different kind of problem. Yeah, it was a very specific <laughs> situation and it was a specific client and their, their employees, they were having trouble with them. Yeah. Occasionally, not maliciously, but okay, because maliciously... Oh, can't right. stop that. Sure. Beyond don't actually let them delete and archive them and, you know, do a programming thing. Yeah. But. Um, yeah, you could use card windows and have it change where it shows up on the screen. And if they hit yeah, it delete, jump. it jumps around <laughs> and they have to hit it 10 times yeah. before it actually deletes it. Yeah. So lots of options. Sure. <laughs> if you want to tick off your clients. <laughs> there are things you can do. Sure. So that's that. So we can get into the. Topic? Sure. Our get not get. Our get not get. So I think there's about 20 of these functions. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk about some of them. Yeah. I think we'll burn through them reasonably quickly because yeah. some of them are super straightforward. So the first one I have, I think these are alphabetical, is get as Boolean, mm -hmm. which basically gives you a Boolean result. It actually returns a numeric for whether or not the function evaluates as true. Okay. So if you pass the get as Boolean some text, like this is text within quotes, mm -hmm. that will return as false. Because it's looking for integers, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't use that one. I, I don't think I've ever used that in anything. Yeah, I use it occasionally, not not a not a ton. If you pass it anything, if you pass it a one, it comes up as true. Mm -hmm. If you pass it, if you say get as Boolean and within the parens, write the word true, mm -hmm. that, that will return as true. Okay. If you put quotes around the true, then it will return as false. Okay. <laughs> Which kind of makes sense. Sure. If you pass it a container field, if there's anything in the container field, it'll return true. If the container field is empty, it'll return false. Okay. So that's uh, can be useful for uh, maybe auto-tagging sure. records with missing entries or something like that. Right. One other sort of anomaly this is mentioned in the help is that get as Boolean with a question mark within quotes will return true. Yeah, that seems like a gotcha. It kind of does. To pay attention to. Because yeah. well, like you said, if you're... If you write a SQL statement that has something off about it and it brings back a question mark and 
you're going to use that get as bullet because it can only give you true or, you know, either true or false. Yeah. You don't have a lot of wiggle room to evaluate that beyond. What's interesting, if it, if it is past a question mark and anything else. Mm-hmm. That, well, anything else like numeric or? No, any, no, text. Yeah. Any other text that will return false. Right. So it doesn't matter that the first character is a question mark right. if there's more stuff. But a single, well, because a single question mark and and true and null, like those are kind mm-hmm. of special strings systematically. Right. And are evaluated in a different way. Definitely a gotcha. Yeah. To keep in mind. Oh, yeah. Uh, the next item on the list is get as CSS. Um, that's something I haven't used much of, but where it's useful is to allow you to display formatted text in a field in a web viewer without having to uh, kind of rewrap it in a different type of CSS. Right. And it'll take the FileMaker formatting and translate it. Right. Translate it into something that the web viewer can see. Because otherwise, I mean, you just throw text into a web viewer and it's plain Jane, you know, nothing, nothing there. Next is get as date. So dates in FileMaker are stored as numbers. Mm-hmm. January 1st of the year one is the number one. And today is the number. Some big many, number. Hundreds of thousands. <laughs> of, however many days it's been since the year one. Right. And it'll go up to 1231 of 4,000. Yeah. So we're, so re- if you're planning we're, beyond we're that. ready for Y3K. Right. But not Y4K. Well, maybe. Well, just right. that just that night. Or, right. Like, oh, right. no, 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 no. We're through the end of that year. Yeah, we're through the end of the year. Right. But not 4,001. Right. So very limited Y4K compatibility at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> so that'll return. So you can pass get as date a number and it'll return it as a date. Right. Or you can pass it a date and it'll return it as a date. Right. And that's why you can do math on dates. Yeah. If you do it right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I always love that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I like the things you can do with dates. I like being able to say March 1st minus one mm-hmm. because I don't know if it's leap year or not. Oh, sure. And that sure. handles it for you. Yeah. Is that it? Yeah. Okay. Uh, next on the list is get as number. So get as number drops from text all non-numeric characters, leading zeros and trailing zeros after the decimal point. Get as number will return a negative number if the first numbers are preceded by a minus side sign or are inside parenthesis. Uh, unless a period or a number precedes the minus sign or left parenthesis, if zero numeric characters are in text, get as number returns an empty string. Uh, now, get as number, the place where I use get as number constantly is in loops uh, because all variables in FileMaker are text. And if you are uh, working with a loop with a counter and a total and you need to exit loop if counter exceeds total, uh, when those are text values, sometimes your loop doesn't stop. Uh, or, right. you know, the, the counts are off because, you know, text counts and sorts differently than numeric. Uh, you want to wrap that get as number around all of your 
counters and totals in that context of loops. And then other places where you could use get as number as if, let's say you have an invoicing uh, system where your invoice number is kind of a customer ID concatenated with an invoice number, you could grab just the number from that using the get as number. So that's some practical functionality to that. Uh, next is get as SVG, which get as SVG returns a representation of the text string marked up in SVG format because um, SVG can capture rich text formatting that has been applied to a text string. SVG stands for Scalable Vector Graphics. Right. <laughs> it can get more formatting than get a CSS. Mm -hmm. I don't do a ton with the web viewer and such. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, I haven't uh, used that one. I haven't used it. Either. Uh, next on the list is get as text. One good use for get as text for container fields. It will return external path information. Text when the container contains text that doesn't resolve into a valid path or a question mark if the container data is embedded in the database. For container data stored externally, like this. For container data stored externally, data is returned in the following format. Uh, so you would see, so forget as text, and then in the parentheses, the container field will come back as, uh, so if it's a remote container, remote colon, the uh, name of the file, dot extension, uh, size, colon, and then the dimensions of the image, uh, then uh, in this particular example, uh, if it's a JPEG, it'll say JPEG, and then images, what is that supposed to, oh, I know why I did that. It'll, for the, for the format or for the uh, image type, it will spell out JPEG uh, or what have you, and then show the path. So if it's in nested folders, uh, it'll give you that path that you could then use for parsing, storing that information in the record, etc. Next is get as time and get as timestamp, which you can pass it text that is formatted as time right. or, or a timestamp. Build it. Build it. So that, then, it that it'll read it and actually can use it. Right. And then it'll, you can use it as those and you can, again, run the math on it if right. you need to. Yeah. Because you can't just, you know, create a variable and call it 6 a.m. and expect the system to say, oh, that looks like a time. Right. You really have to wrap it in these functions in order for the system to respect them as such. Right. So next on the list is get as URL encoded. And this returns text as uh, URL encoding. And that's Uniform Resource Locator, also known as a web address. And this is another one where I haven't needed to use it. But if you have a string of text that needs to be URL friendly. And, and this is where you would have seen it is if one of the examples, if you have uh, a word with a space in it, it will substitute the space with a pound 20 percent. Oh uh, yeah. Sorry. Percent 20. We used to see this a whole lot more 15 years ago. 
Um, but now that everywhere you look, everything's already styled and wrapped and, uh, you know, I, I think we don't see that as much because, um, things like if somebody sends you a web link in your email, the email program knows how to handle that. It doesn't have to do any substitutions. It does all that in the background. So we never see this anymore, even though it's there. So if you ever look at the code or the raw HTML of something, uh, the, the link, you would see those substitutions in there. So, and so yeah, so you would use this if you just needed to pull out all the styles from text and have it do a URL friendly version of it. Next is get container attribute. So this is one we use a bit, and there are a million settings for this one. Sure. So it returns the metadata mm-hmm. of the specified container. Right. So you feed it a source field and an attribute. Mm-hmm. And one of them is all. Yeah, one of them is all, right. And that'll just give you everything you could possibly want. It'll give you a long return delimited list of mm-hmm. a whole bunch of stuff about the file. But you can, if you need specific information, uh, you can call out the individual attribute. Right, so you can grab the file name, the uh, file size, the storage type, the width, the height, the transparency, orientation, you know, any, there's a ton of these. Yeah. So you can get a lot of good information from it. What I use this for occasionally is to MD5 something. Okay. So you'll make a calculation. You'll MD5 that into a field that you can use to compare to, to make sure there's no duplicates. Right. So you can do a couple things there. So one, uh, if you feed, if you feed it, a container with an image in it, and you do a a get container attribute container and MD5, Mm -hmm. then it'll give you a long alphanumeric representation of the image. Mm -hmm. So you can compare that to, you can take another image and do an MD5, and if they match, they're the exact same image. If they don't match, there's a change between those images. So that's that's useful. Mm -hmm. You can also do it with text. So if you have a big chunk of text, so you know, thousands of lines, mm-hmm. FileMaker can't compare two really right. long pieces of text to each other and tell if they match. Right. Because it, 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 what is it, after 250 words? So, it, like, something like that. It, it, it can't compare anymore. It stops paying attention. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so what I'll do, you know, you can take a large text file mm-hmm. or just text from a field and use this function to do an md5 mm-hmm. so it'll create an md5 hash of the text mm-hmm. which is then short enough to compare to another one right and also to maintain to see if anyone has ever changed this if you know sure so if you if you were archiving records that have a whole bunch of fields you mm-hmm. can grab all the data from all the fields stick it in a variable do an md5 hash of that and then store that along with the record, and then that guarantees, it gives you a place to check that this record has not been touched since it was archived, if you have the MD5. Okay. Stuff like that. Sure. It's, uh, it's, a, it's, it's useful, very useful. Right. We had to use a custom function before. It's nice to have this 
right available within FileMaker in a regular function. Mm -hmm. Nice. So the next two, there's get field and get field name. And these... These are older, right? Yeah. So I have the... This is version six. Get field will get the contents of whatever field name you pass it. So if you have a field called first name, mm -hmm. and so you say get field name, I'm sorry, you say get field, and then within quotes, first name, mm -hmm. it will return the contents of that field, right? So okay. it'll return Teresa. Mm -hmm. If you don't put quotes around it, it will resolve that first, right? So it will then be get field, and it'll be looking for a field called Teresa. So if you have one, it'll return the contents of that. If you don't have one, it'll return nothing. Hmm. Okay, so it just resolves what's in there first. So get field name can be used a lot whenever you're trying to abstract field names from your functionality. So like mm -hmm. whenever you're doing SQL calls or something, instead of putting everything within quotes, and now if a field name or a table name gets broken, mm -hmm. gets changed, then it'll break the, right. the thing. So get field name is a way to help resolve that. It'll simply return the name of the field. Right. But it is that you're context dependent. It is, yes. Whatever layout you're on. Whatever whatever your whatever your table is. Right. Right. The next on the list there's get height and we'll also bundle it with get width down at the bottom of the list. So um get height and get width will give you the dimensions, the width dimension or the height dimension in pixels for um, an item in a container field. So you'd pass it a container reference and it will just give you that information. Get container object attribute returns a specified attribute of the layout object that you feed it. If you say get layout object attribute and then you give it an object name, which is the name that you specify in the object name field in the inspector, including repetition number if you want. You feed it an object name and an attribute name, and then optionally repetition or portal row number. Mm -hmm. And it has attributes like object type, has focus, is front panel, is active. So it, there's, there's a whole bunch of things left. Um, Left, right, top, bottom, that gives you within by pixels where the object is positioned on the layout. Mm -hmm. So it has a whole bunch of things like that. So we use this sometimes with, with GUI stuff. Mm -hmm. there's, there's times whenever something is running and you want to know which panel is frontmost, you want to know what the user's looking at, things like that. Mm -hmm. it's, got, it's, it's got lots of uses like that. Uh, next on the list is get next serial value. And that works in conjunction with uh, any uh, serial field that is uh, a field that's designated as auto enter serial. Auto enter serial. Uh, so get next serial value to know where you need to set the next one. Yeah. Right? So we, this this came up a lot. We we don't use this so much anymore because we use UUIDs. Oh right. If we used serial numbers, or anybody that does, anybody that uses serial numbers as IDs for records. Whenever you import your data to a different, um, import to a different file or table, mm -hmm. then 
what you want to know is you want to know the next highest. You want to set to the next highest number. So you perhaps want to know what the next serial number is going to be. Mm-hmm. So, so that's, that's what that'll tell you. It'll tell you what the useful. next serial number is going to be. Right. At times you have a user who wants to... You're using serial numbers to, to, to generate your invoice numbers. Mm-hmm. And so whenever the user goes to create one, you can show what the number's going to be. And if they cancel the process, you didn't have to create that record. Oh, right. Yeah. Until you're done and ready. Then mm-hmm. when you create it, it'll stick that serial number in. Yeah, because that's an option also that you can set the serial on create or commit. Right. You can do yeah. it that way too. Get nth record is a is a pretty powerful function and it will give you the nth record of the found set that you're on. So if you are on the fifth record and you say get nth record and you pass it field and a number. So you can say, you know, give me the previous. You can get current record minus one. Mm-hmm. Get current record plus one. So you can get a value of the previous record and the next record. And that's using get record number. It's right? using the record number. So it changes okay. which record it's going to bring based on the found set. Sure. And it'll also work through a relationship. So you can get nth record will give you the portal rows. So you can say get nth record and then show the related record and number three. So that'll show you the third item in your portal row as is sorted in the relationship graph. Hmm. Next, we have get repetition. And with get repetition, you would pass it uh, the reference to a repeating field and then the number of the repetition that you want it to return. And it will bring back uh, whatever is in that repetition. So it'll bring a text number, date, time, timestamp, container, anything. Right. We don't use this often because we don't use repeating fields a lot. Right. Uh, and when we do, like for globals mm-hmm. um, and things like that, we tend to use the field reference and then uh, the field repetition that we want in brackets because that basically does the same thing. So saying, you know, globals too, that field reference is the same as get repetition globals two, you know, or globals dialog, whatever, two. So the next one is get summary, and you would uh, pass that a summary field and then a break field. And the break field is the field which your current found set is being sorted. If you think about it, uh, like you're on a summary, a subsummary layout, subsummary report, and the summary field is uh, whatever field you have on the layout. Maybe it's a count field. And then your break field is what you're sorted by. You feed the get summary function, the name of that field, the reference for that field, and then the break field that you're sorted by. And it will give you the amount that you would normally see in a subsummary report in that subsummary part. But you don't need to show, right? So you're saying, like, because you were saying that you do this in virtual lists whenever you're generating 
virtual right, to lists. create a virtual list. You want to grab this summary, like the um, sort by city name, and then show me the counts of invoices or counts of salespeople or something like that. Right. In each city, you don't have to actually display that on a layout in order to grab the summary. Right. You just need to know, but you do need to know all the other specifics around it. Sure. So you need to know, okay. um, you know, what you're grabbing and that break field. But yes, that's what it'll return for your found set. So next is get thumbnail. Get thumbnail will return the image. will return a thumbnail image of the contents of your container field. And it'll do it. It always does it at 72 DPI. And you can specify the height and width of the thumbnail. So that's simple enough. I don't think there's much more to it. So you, you pass it your container field and you pass it your dimensions. And it generates that thumbnail. Uh, the last one on the list is everybody's favorite get value. Um, we use that a lot. What would you do without get value? I don't know. But with get value, you pass it. Uh, an array of data and then a number and it will give you the value uh, of that row essentially in the list. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the exact, but we use it everywhere. Yeah, we use it all the time. Um, usually it's for if, um, if you're parsing a stack of values. So um, if you do a SQL call to get all of the distinct values, you know, for a particular field. And then you need to go get counts for each of those. You could loop through and say get value um, based on a counter. And then from there, build another array based on that. Yeah, that's super, super useful. Yeah. That's it. That's all those get not get functions. The get not gets. Yeah. That's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly the word i was looking for right yeah so um you know like when we were describing these some of them we don't use that often um but it's nice to go through functions like this because uh sometimes you think of things you could you forget they're there yeah because you use them so seldom right if you don't use them that much uh sometimes you stumble upon them when you have to solve a very specific problem but reviewing the functions every now and then um allows you to creatively solve problems without the pressure of needing to do a very specific thing you know you can be a little more think a little more outside the box yeah well thanks for yes. doing that <laughs> You're thanking me? I'm thanking you. For, oh, I thought you were thanking our loyal listeners. For sitting through that. Yes. Yes, and <laughs> thanks to our listeners. Thanks I, for not turning it off. It's still, We're still in the midst of the um, COVID-19 mm -hmm. situation, the pandemic. So I hope yep. that uh, if, if you're still in it when this goes out, uh, I hope everyone is staying safe and mm -hmm. doing whatever they think they need to be doing. Right. All right. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Think positive, all that good stuff. If you want to reach us, you can reach us anytime by email at off the record at profiledevelopers.com. If there's anything you'd like us to talk about, or if you'd like to talk to us on air, don't hesitate to contact us. <laughs> 
Until next time. Until I'm next Thomas. time. I'm Thomas. And I'm Teresa. We'll see you later. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Bye.